You're listening to The Crossroad Podcast with Joey and Kylie Willis. Through redefining effective leadership, The Crossroad Podcast explores what it means to live a life of intention and purpose. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of effective leadership and vibrant living. All right, everybody, welcome to episode three of season two of The Crossroad Podcast. We are in the middle of a season about how to make choices. In the first episode, we talked about the power of choices, the potential impact, the inevitable impact our choices have in not only our lives, but in the lives of the people around us. And then in the second episode, we talked about the prevalence of choices, just how abundant options are and how many we face on a daily basis and how that can be overwhelming and some of the different ways that we cope with that feeling of being overwhelmed. In this episode, we're going to talk about whether or not the choice you're focused on is actually your choice to make. So Kylie, it strikes me that some of our listeners might have come to this season or been attracted to this topic because they have a specific choice they need to make. And so I wonder if some of our listeners are a bit uh, impatient, just wanting us to get to how to help them with the one specific choice that they have. So Could maybe you speak a little bit to why we're talking about this in the greater context of not just one specific choice you have to make, but the ability to make choices consistently in your life? Yeah. I mean, I sit in my office with students all the time coming to me saying, I have this thing in front of me and I need you to tell me what to do. I need you to help me figure out what I should do. Um, And the... The answer to your question, Joey, is that we have choices that hit us every day, all of the time. There are always options in front of us, uh, and we need to be able to discern. I can't give you the answer, but we need to be able to discern um, what choices we personally need to take responsibility for in our own lives and what things are out of our control and that we should let go of and allow the people who actually have the responsibility for making that choice to make the choice themselves. So if you have a burning choice to make, episodes four through the rest of the season are really going to help you with a specific choice. But I would encourage, so if you're really just dying here, I would uh, give you permission to jump to the next episode and, and figure out Uh, best the specific option that's in front of you. But do come back to these first episodes where we talk about how to lay a foundation for making good choices. Because I think one of the things that we do is we treat choices as these one-offs. And so we come to one and we really freak out about it and try to figure out what is the best choice I can make in this specific setting. And then we make a choice and, and we feel, you know, to some degree comfortable with it. Uh, And then the next one comes in, that prevalence of choices really hits us like a tidal wave. And so what we're trying to do through this season is not just help you make the choice you're thinking about, but how to set you up to make all choices uh, in a more efficient, better manner. And so one of the keys to that is really discerning if the choice that you're facing is actually your responsibility to make or not. So Kylie, can you, we've talked about coping mechanisms before and how the power of choices, the abundance of choices can be overwhelming to us. And one of those coping mechanisms is that instead of grabbing a hold of a choice that is our responsibility, we start to grab a hold of choices that are not our responsibility. It makes us feel as though we're doing something. It makes us feel as though we're tapping into that power of choices, 
without the real repercussions for our own life that we fear. So, Kylie, why is it that one of these coping mechanisms is for us to latch on to choices that that properly belong to other people rather than addressing the ones that we are really have authority over and are responsible for? Well, A, I think sometimes we look at other people and think what we know what is best for them. We know the path that they should be taking and the decisions that they should be making in their life. And they're just not doing what we think they should be doing. And so it is about grappling with control uh, and trying to feel like you are in control of something. And so much of the time we feel like we are so out of control of our own life. And instead of taking ownership and responsibility for the things that we can control, um, we grab at all of the things that are around us that we can't, uh, which is everybody else. Um, the three things that we can control are our choices or actions that we take, um, our perspective or our attitude, and who we trust. And the, the modeled behavior in our world is not to take responsibility for yourself most of the time. The modeled behavior is to try to control everything around you um, when, in fact, what you're doing when you try to take control of everything around you is um, you are seceding your own ability to be in control and live freely, uh, not based upon your circumstances and the things that are happening around you, but based on the fact that you are doing everything you possibly can for yourself to make the best of whatever circumstances are going on around you. Yeah, that makes me think you know, life is uh, crazy. It is chaotic and it is often painful. And so I think one of the things we do is try to mitigate all of that. We try to make life a little less chaotic and certainly a little less painful. And what's dangerous about that is that we try to manipulate mm. outcomes rather than take ownership of our own attitude, our own processes, our own choices. And so we think if this person or this institution or this other entity were to make a certain decision, that would help make my life less chaotic. And so to add on to the just myriad opportunities we have to actually make choices and take responsibility in our lives, we start to borrow and adopt responsibility from other people in order to try to get to those outcomes. And the real irony here is that that makes life even more chaotic, that that makes life even more painful uh, because we start blame shifting and pointing fingers, which we don't actually have a problem with as long as I'm the one pointing at somebody else. But then that person starts to point back at me and, and these things just have an exponential effect. So if we want to establish a foundation for being good decision makers, being good discerners, one of the key places we have to begin is really evaluating honestly, is the thing I'm looking at really honestly a choice I'm responsible for? Or is it a coping mechanism? Is it my attempt to try to control outcomes to make my real choices a little bit easier? So there are a couple of different models that we can use in order to um, understand for ourselves what choices are ours to make and what are others, but also a couple of models to teach people um, to take responsibility for their choices or to understand what is in their sphere of control. And so one of that model that we actually use every once in a while is the the three V's. It's the view, the voice, and the vote example. And so um, 
let's use children as an example. Say we're parents and we have two children and um, we are making a decision for our family. Um, Some decisions, like pretend Joe got a job in Atlanta and we had to uh, decide between whether we were going to stay here or we we're going to move to Atlanta. We might not let our children actually have a vote in that process, but we might want to hear what they have to say. And so we'll give them a view into what is happening and let them see what is going on and possibly even give them a voice and uh, let us know how they feel about it, some of the things that they're thinking about and how they're going to be affected and how our family is going to be affected by this. But they don't necessarily get to vote on whether or not um, that outcome is going to happen. And so we will consider their view and their voice, but we won't give them a vote. Um, And so What we do is we can communicate to other people like this decision, this choice that I am making right now, you have a view into. You can see what is going on in my life, but I don't really want to hear what you have to say about it and you don't get to vote on it. This is a choice that is solely mine to make. Um, And then there are other times where, for example, I'm talking to a friend and I want to hear their opinion on what is going on in my life. It doesn't mean that they get a vote in what I do, but I have a choice to make and I'm going somewhere. I'm going to someone to get some advice, uh, to get an outside perspective on what is going on um, and tell me what they see in regards to that choice. And what that does is help me to see outside of myself and make a better decision for myself. And then voting, of course, is saying, I get a choice. Joey gets a choice. We make this choice together. Um, And so we can use this with children. We can use this with even college students on the college campus. Um, Sometimes they get a view into something, but they don't get a voice or a vote. Sometimes they get a voice. um, And sometimes they get a vote. Uh, And so understanding these three different options for decision making can really help us to more clearly know who is responsible for making the choice and help them to uh, move along the path to actually making the decision. Yeah, we have a coworker who introduced us to this idea, and he credits uh, a book that he doesn't remember uh, with the being the impetus of this idea of raising children with these three paradigms, these three dynamics, these three levels of of ownership of involvement, view, voice, and vote. And let me just say right off the bat, like the, these, it's a, this is a it's a clunky kind of a process. What what we're trying to do here is just give you some ideas and some tools to start to um, put the decisions that come across your board into certain buckets, so that you can more properly discern which ones you actually have a vote on and which ones you don't. And so, as Kylie is 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 saying here, as parents, we have to kind of discern. When our kids get a view uh, and some things they don't even get a view for, you know, Mm. if one of us if we're thinking about a divorce and and one one of us is uh, has cheated on the other one or if uh, we have friends who maybe are going through um, financial problems, we we don't really necessarily want to bring our kids into that. It's better for them. Uh, to not even have a view of it. And then there are times where we need to be very clear about saying, all right, guys, we need to hear your input about this potential move to Atlanta. But at the end of the day, mom and I are going to make the decision on that. And then sometimes, and there's a lot of books that talk about this with kids, is you know, you give them a vote. And, and the reason for that is you show them a sense of ownership, but you also show them a sense of consequences. So we have some friends who who will ask their young daughters, 
which kind of cup they want to drink out of uh, for dinner, the red cup or the blue cup. They start this really young and the girls have to choose one of the cups. And if they choose the blue cup, that's the cup they get for dinner. And as kids often do halfway through dinner, they're like, no, no, I want the red cup. And the parents say, no, you you made a vote. You've got a you've made a decision. You've got to you know kind of deal with the consequences. And this helps to just sort of set a foundation for discerning your involvement in different decisions. And just like anything else, this can be used in a proper way and an improper way. You can use this for tyranny and demand that you have a vote when you don't really have a vote. Uh, Or you can hold it over other people's heads. And there's all sorts of ways to abuse this. But what we're just trying to do is introduce the idea that not every decision uh, is yours to make. And that this idea of view, voice, and vote for our purposes is best used as a self-evaluation tool, not as something to club other people over the head with, but as a way for you to discern, where do I actually fit in in this scenario? And and to allow yourself to be uh, content with with the proper spot that you need to be in. Um, We worked with an organization a couple of years ago with some of the servant leadership tools, equipping them with them. And one of the things that they asked for was a sort of decision-making rubric, something to help them uh, to communicate to their staff, to their employees, the people of the organization, uh, what decisions were theirs to make and what decisions were not theirs to make. And Joey actually recently read a book called Fierce Conversations that has a really great model for... Um, communicating to people what is their choice to own and what is not their choice to own. And so, Joe, do you want to walk us through the decision tree that is found in Fierce Conversations? Right. So the idea is that uh, the decision tree is is a way for companies specifically to try to empower people to make um, decisions freely but not carelessly. And so if you think about a business as a tree – Um, then what the decision tree encourages is to measure what kind of decision you're making and what effect it has on the organization. So for example, if I'm making a leaf decision, if I get that wrong and our tree loses a leaf, it's not that damaging to the organization. So just about anybody in the organization can probably make a leaf decision uh, because losing it is not that big a deal. It's not that that big of consequences. Um, now, on the other hand, if I'm making a branch decision, uh, if we lose a branch, that's a significant chunk of what our organization looks like and has effects on on other leaves uh, connected to the, the part that I might be overseeing. And so it might be a good idea to bring some somebody uh, in the mid-manager position or something in to, to make sure that they agree with, with what I'm thinking about doing. And then ultimately, if there's a root decision, if there's something that if it goes haywire, it destroys the whole thing, well, then that's probably something that the higher leadership team needs to be involved in. So the idea here is to help discern when you're free to make a decision and when you maybe need uh, to check in and have a little bit of accountability. Uh, Last season, we talked about our gambit of servant leadership tools. And I believe we did multiple episodes on the Freedom V. And the Freedom V is a model for self-governance. It teaches people to be self-governing within an organization if you use it properly and effectively. And the 
main thing about the Freedom V is that you communicate very clearly what the expectations are, what the boundaries are for people within their position, within the organization that you are in. Uh, And you communicate the consequences for going outside of those boundaries. And if you do that and you do it well and you communicate clearly, then people know exactly how far they can go. They can take their choices and decisions. And when they go outside of those, then they know there are going to be consequences for their choices. And so what that does is consequences actually drive behavior, right? Uh, People are scared to be punished and um, experience negative consequences. And so they helped people to stay within the boundaries and the expectations that have been given. So as people who are leading an organization, who are a part of an organization, it is so, so important to be communicating clear expectations and clear boundaries to people within the organization to make sure that they're, they know what is expected of them, they know what their role is, and what they're supposed to do. Uh, and when we do that, people are actually able to be really effective at their roles. And we're actually able to give them greater and greater levels of freedom because they prove themselves proficient at staying within the boundaries uh, and the expectations that have to do with their role. Now, these are just some models that we are giving you. This is not a universal thing. Um, There are all sorts of different, I'm sure, rubrics and models out there to help us to understand how to make decisions and who is responsible for the decisions we're making. We're just we're just trying to share with you some of the uh, decision-making tools that we have experienced and have seen be really effective. The key of what we're trying to say here is mind your own business. <laughs> and and th- that doesn't mean that you shouldn't you know, empathize and be involved with community. But when it comes to making decisions, if you're the kind of person that says, I wish so-and-so would do this more often than you evaluate what you're doing yourself, mm. Then that's going to have an effect in your life. A negative. There's there's going to be negative consequences. Kylie, I have an idea, and I want to run it by you and just see if you agree or disagree. But we're talking about view, voice, and vote. And so my thought is that when it comes to our personal character, when it comes to like who I am as a person, my attitude, uh, my choices, who I trust, those things that you mentioned, we can control. When it comes to those three things. I am the sole vote caster in my own life, meaning that people around me, institutions around me, the world at large, they have a voice. They can influence and impact me. But at the end of the day, my contentment is my own vote. My attitude is my own vote. Those are decisions that I am ultimately responsible for. And so I've got to recognize the voices and the impact they're having on me, but I've got to be willing to step up and take responsibility for what is my business, which is stewarding my own character. Does that sound right to you? Absolutely. It also means that you're the master of your own discontent as well, because whatever the choices are that you make um, with the decisions in front of you, you solely have to live with the consequences of those, whether they are positive or negative. And one of the difficult things for us in the work that we do, and I'm sure a lot of people experience this in a lot of different ways, but I can't make that choice for other people. I did youth ministry for a long time. 
we've uh, been in leadership positions on the world race trying to disciple people. We do it at, in a, at a college campus right now. And I can't take ownership of their journey. Sometimes they're like, sometimes we're talking, you you probably speak to this. Sometimes you're talking to people and they're begging you to take ownership of, of their lives. But I can't. They're the sole vote caster. And you do a great job with this, Kylie. You try to push the women that you mentor and say, look, you're going to make this decision, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, They're actually the best equipped to make the choice for their life, whatever it is, because it's their life. And they're the only ones who uh, know what is best for them, uh, know what they're passionate about, know what they're good at, know uh, what... Um, how this is going to affect them and the relationships that they're in. And so I actually have students who come into my office now and um, they have a decision or a choice that's in front of them and they sit down and they slam their hands down on my desk and they say, okay, I know you're not going to tell me what to do, but I need some help with this. And so it's more about advising and walking them through what are the positive and negative consequences of this and how does this tie in with your values and um, how is this going to affect um, the situation that you're in right now? How is this going to affect the relationships that you're in? But at the end of the day, I don't tell them what to do, nor should I. They are solely responsible for this. And what we're trying to do when we try to get other people to make the choices or decision for us is get rid of the responsibility so that if something goes wrong, we're not actually responsible for it. Somebody else's. This isn't my fault. I didn't make this choice. Somebody else did. And so I don't have to take the onus of this, um, which is actually really sad, mainly because you are becoming a victim to your circumstances. Um, You are living with this victim mentality that is saying, it's not my fault. Nothing is my fault. It's the fault of everybody else around me. It is the fault of all of my circumstances. And I am just a victim to everything that is happening to me. So what we're talking about here is kind of uh, burning the candle at both ends. On one side, we really avoid the decisions that are ours to make because there might be negative consequences. There is uncertainty involved. We might be held accountable. And so we avoid those. And then on the other end, we try to borrow offenses for other people. We try to insert ourselves into votes that we don't properly belong to so that we can feel active as if we're, we're doing something, as if uh, we're making an impact and, and not sitting idly in, in apathy. But what happens is that our energy just depletes and depletes because we're we're burning that candle at both ends and and we're approaching decision making improperly. And so, again, what we're encouraging here is to really take a step back and figure out, is this my decision to make? And so, Kylie, maybe we could talk through some examples of what might be a decision that is mine to make versus what might be a decision that I would like to make but isn't mine to make. So I'll go I'll go first. The, an example is um, it, it's my decision whether or not to get angry in response to something that you do, something that Kylie does. It is not my decision whether or not you apologize for the thing that you did or whether you recognize it or not. I can have a voice into that, but that's actually not my decision. 
And so what happens when something happens that kind of triggers a disagreement between us is instead of taking an ownership of my anger and saying, okay, I'm choosing to be angry. I could make another choice. Um, and even anger might be a valid choice, but I need to communicate that. Instead of evaluating all that in truth, what I am doing is is sort of projecting onto you and then saying, okay, you need to apologize for what you've done. And I get stuck there and can't really see past it. It is my choice to get out of bed at eight o'clock in the morning uh, to make sure that I'm ready for the day. And it is not my choice to make sure that you get out of bed at eight <laughs> o'clock in the morning. That's right. Um, and so often what we try to do is we see that there are going to be consequences for people's actions and behaviors. And so we want to make them do what we think is the right thing to do to avoid the consequences. And sometimes the best thing to do is allow people to experience the consequences, to not save them from whatever is coming because of their choices, because they will learn through experiencing negative consequences or positive consequences, really. Well, another we, we're talking about a lot of this in terms of interpersonal things, which I think is very prevalent. But it occurs to me that we do this within our own psyche, like we do this internally. So an example that I'm thinking of is it's my decision whether to take job A or job B. That's, you know, that really is my responsibility. It is not my responsibility to know how those either decision is going to work out. So said another way, the courage to make a choice and stand behind it is something I'm responsible for. The certainty of knowing how that's going to work out is not a choice that I can make. It's not something that I'm capable of. I don't even really properly have a view of that. I start guessing. And so if I make a choice that's based on the guess of how it might turn out, that might undermine the real choice that's at play, which is the courage to take a risk and make a commitment one way or another based on the values as I see them today. One thing that you just said, Joey, that sort of stood out to me was the word certainty. Um, we want to be so certain that we are making the right choice because we don't like to fail. We don't like to look foolish. And so, so often we try to avoid making the choices that are in front of us because we are unsure of what is actually going to happen uh, based upon the choice that we are making. It's so much easier to have somebody else make that choice for us uh, and us be able to blame them than take ownership of possibly negative consequences. We want to be so sure. Um, I was having a conversation with a student not that long ago who had uh, two options for something that was coming up. Uh, and she was sitting in front of me and she was like, I just like don't know which one to take. Like, which of these choices is the one that God is really telling me to do? I can't discern what that is. Um, and at the end of the day, she just had to make a choice. They were both good choices. And it's her choice to make not mine to tell her what to do, which would help her feel more certain that she's making the right choice because I have influence with her. Um, I am older than her and have more life experience. And so she trusts and believes that my input and my view of what her 
or I guess I would say my voice uh, in the decision is really valuable and important. Uh, And she doesn't want to make the choice for herself just in case it's wrong. She doesn't want to look foolish. And so we really need to make sure that these choices, and we'll talk about it in a later episode, are values-based choices that we're making not based on our emotions and our fears and what they're telling us, but actually based upon what is important to us and what we value. Yeah, I think another layer to this, and Kylie, you focusing on certainty led me here, is I think a lot of us think about choices as if there is this grand meta exam where there's right and wrong for every option. And we have to decide, we have to try to figure out uh, through some sort of moral calculus which is right and which is wrong. So job A and job B, one of the things that's crippling for us is what if I pick the wrong choice? What if I pick job B and I was supposed to have picked job A? And I think that idea that we're being measured by this strictly right-wrong dichotomy of circumstance can be really crippling to us. Because here is the secret to really unlocking decision-making, in my opinion, is decision-making is about the process of decision-making more than about the outcomes it leads to. Hmm. The Bible itself actually talks about right and wrong very kind of rarely. It doesn't really use that language. That's not the paradigm the Bible is built on. The Bible is built on the paradigm of wisdom and foolishness, which is a big difference. Because if I'm making a choice between job A and job B, and I'm thinking about, okay, which would be more wise, it leaves a little bit of of uncertainty for how it's going to turn out. And if I make the wrong choice, if it doesn't turn out, if the outcome isn't well, then I have to learn how to deal with failure or uh, with loss of expectation through courage and boldness. And that in and of itself is a decision, which is honestly more important than whether I chose job A or job B. Because then you're exercising your character. And exactly. And so one of the things, and that's, that's a great way of putting it, Kylie. And one of the things that ties in with what we've said is, you just mentioned this, Kai, the value of vision. When we have a true and proper vision for our lives, it helps us to discern what is actually a root decision for my vision and what is actually a leaf decision. And I think that if we adopt the perspective that the vision for our life is to steward our character as best we can, then we can have permission to say, you know, job A and job B are both leafs (laughs) or maybe branches at most. And I can make a choice about it, but if they fall apart... There are other jobs. My character is not dependent on any specific job that I have. It's not dependent on any specific circumstance that I'm in. So really, the only root decisions become my violation of my values, my willingness to abandon my character. That's the thing that's really going to destroy the vision and tear that tree down. And so in a really strange sort of way, having a proper vision aligns that tree and gives us a bit of permission to say, you know, the circumstantial choices I'm facing aren't about right and wrong. This isn't a this isn't a, a multiple choice exam where you have to get a perfect score or the house of cards tumbles and your life is a complete failure. This is a journey. You are a tree that is growing. 
And you'll make difficult decisions, you'll make wrong decisions, but you are a tree that is growing. And the only thing that can really undermine that growth is your own choices, your choice to abandon that growth, to abandon the values that are the root system of that tree. And so all of this to say that we have to be honest and real and accurate about vision. As individuals, I've been talking about, but certainly this works in a corporate environment as well as a community. You've got in a marriage, in, an org- in a business, at a church, you have to establish that vision and communicate it constantly. Otherwise, your whole system of view, voice, vote, your whole system of leaf branch root is going to be skewed because you don't have a proper definition about what the thing you're building is. Um. Something that comes to mind as you're talking, Joe, is the parable of the talents. Uh, The master gave three different people uh, talents, 10, 5, and 2. And he said, okay, I'm going to go away. I'm giving you this to do with and steward as you will. And you get to make choices and decisions based upon that. And obviously, two of them made far better choices than the other one. Um, And the last one just he was too scared to make any choices. And so he just abstained from his vote. Uh, He abstained from doing anything. Um, And what happened there is because of his lack of initiative and his lack of courage to do something, he actually ended up facing the master and the master saying like, oh my gosh, you just wasted this opportunity that that I gave you. And because of that, you are no longer going to get any more opportunities. Uh, This life is an opportunity and we get to steward it and we get to make choices within it. And so we need to take responsibility of that and be the vote caster in our own lives. Um, And remember that not making choices is still making a choice. Um, And so we need to be intentional with everything that's in front of us. Yeah, that's well said. And if we want to be good, consistent decision makers, we have to do the slow and difficult work of untangling all of these knots and really figuring out what is my vision? What are the choices that are mine to make and what aren't? And how are those choices really going to impact or potentially going to impact that vision? And how can I steward the choices that I make towards that vision well. Even when I make bad choices, every bad choice you make, and we'll get into this later in the season, is just an opportunity to make another choice. In episode two, we we laid out just the kind of overwhelming nature of choices. And that can be crippling, but it can also be freeing. If you're making a thousand choices a day, at least one of those is going to be a wrong choice. Like, that's okay. You shouldn't try to make a wrong choice, but you should understand that this isn't about getting a perfect score on an exam by some distant and judge-centered entity that's looking to swat you on the wrist. This is about a process of life and growth that is a beautiful opportunity that we're, uh, that we're invited to do together. And each of our choices is meant to steward us towards that. And so the beginning of untangling all of this knot of choice is to really evaluate who am I? What kind of person do I really want to be and which choices are mine that I that I really have control over and can help steward me towards the life that that I really want to live? The whole reason that we 
call ourselves the crossroad is because every single moment of our lives, we are at a different crossroad and we get to decide and choose what we do with each of those moments. And so this whole series is just an encouragement uh, to you to be intentional about stewarding each and every single crossroad that you come across in your daily life. Thank you for listening to The Crossroad Podcast. The world is out there waiting for you to become the best leader you can possibly be. We hope our conversations have helped. For more, please visit our website, thecrossroad.net.